secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Today we're moving into chapter three of Galatians. And in the first two chapters, Paul has argued that grace is this self-giving gift of Christ. Christ has loved us and he has given himself for us. And this self-giving gift, it's what we call the gospel. It's what grace is. And because of it, because Christ has loved me and given himself for me, it is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he's argued that this gift gets worked into our lives through the call of God. That's what conversion is. It means we've been called, and that call happens. It gets set in motion even before we were born. And the gift, the self-giving gift of Christ, brings about new creation. It's a new life where the old is gone and now the new has come. And in chapter three, four, and five, he's going to move into the gift of the spirit. So we have this gift that is the gift of Christ given to us and for us. And it gets worked out in the call of God. It produces new creation, a new life, and it's empowered by the gift of the spirit. And the radical thing about this gift is that it is given to both Jews and Gentiles, regardless of their works, regardless of their merit. It doesn't matter who they were, what they've done, their education, their experience, their good deeds don't qualify them for the gift, 
and then their failures don't disqualify them from the gift. And it's this gift that radically reorients, it radically reorders their identity and their allegiance. And then we move into chapter three through five. So take a Take a few moments sometime today and tomorrow and read through these chapters. And they are a very intricate discussion of the dynamic between law and promise. And there is a very complex weave of both personal testimony, what they've experienced, and then scriptural quotations. And I have to be honest, on the first pass-through, it can be pretty confusing. You can start reading through and think, oh, okay, uh, why are we talking about this now? Did I, did I miss something? How did we get here? But what you're going to see is a dynamic weaving of both scriptural interpretation and personal experience. So, for example, chapter 3, 1 through 5, chapter 4, 8 through 20, chapter 5, 2 through 12, he's going to work in their experience, what they experienced, and then those are going to be complemented by discussions about Abraham and Moses and freedom, and slavery, and how to read the Old Testament allegorically. And in this complex sequence, what Paul wants us to see, what he's trying to do is force on us the reality that the gospel is the fulfillment of God's promises. It's the gospel that is the outworking of these promises. And the only way you will learn to understand yourself and Scripture You have to learn to read history in the light of this gift, in the light of grace, in the light of the gospel, in the light of the fact that the person and work of Jesus Christ is now the culmination and the fulfillment of these promises from God. And this is now the key to understand both your own experience and understanding the scriptures. If the gospel is going to have its power in you, you have to understand you your experience, and then you have to understand scriptures. And it's the key to understanding both. And both of these actually can be pretty difficult to understand. We actually need help. We need help unraveling and making sense of our own experience. We are not the world's expert on us. And likewise, we need help understanding the scriptures of fitting them together. That's why people like me have a job. Our job is to help people make sense of the scriptures. And so you can see this first dynamic. So let me show you just in our first section in chapter 3. Take the first two paragraphs, verses 1 through 9. So you see in verse 2, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How did you receive the Spirit? How does this work in your own life if you... View your own life through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of gift, through the lens of grace. You understand this is true for you. But then notice in verse 6, even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteous. So even Abraham, this is true not just of you, it's true of understanding Abraham. This understanding of the gift, of the gospel, of grace, is essential to understand you. But it's also essential to understand Scripture. So to set the stage for our next several, for our next week or two as we go through chapters 3, 4, and 5, it'd be a great reading challenge to read through these sections and mark the dynamic back and forth 
between their own experience and their and the scriptures. And think a moment about your own life. You actually probably will find that it's easier for you to learn about one or the other. Generally, we'll have a bent or disposition where we're much more self-reflective and very aware of what's going on in our life and our world. That can lead to a tendency to be very self-centered. Or we could have a tendency where we're very keen and eager to study the scriptures and wrestle with it. And that can lead to a tendency to be relationally or emotionally detached. But either way, we need the help to study well both our life and the scriptures and see that the gospel, this gift of grace, is essential to understanding both. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son,